Welcome to another edition of the Grip for 60 podcast. The podcast with all of the talent. No, none of the talent of the Sedin twins, but all the chemistry. Messed that one up. Good thing this, let's just run it again. No, we're actually live on this. We're live. I thought I said live. Live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm Brendan Farrell, also known as TCJ. Sorry about that, but um, I'm Brendan Farrell, also known as TCJ. Um, I'm with here with my brother. Podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I in my downtime, I, I cover uh, volleyball for the Independent Florida Alligator. Here Bro, the Mon- Independent Alligator. <laughs> uh, here from uh, hot and humid Gainesville, Florida. Hashtag Rainsville. <laughs> at the beautiful University of Florida. Um, so go Gators this weekend. Um, just kidding, I'm not allowed to say that because I, I work at the paper. But um, but anyway, big game this weekend. But we're not here to talk about college football. We're here to talk about hockey in the middle of August. Ice that's what we do. Precisely. Talk about the ice sport. We're, we're talking puck. And I'm his brother. Um, and I'm broadcasting from Jacksonville. I was going to say sunny Jacksonville, but it's night, so it's not so sunny. Um, sunny, well, Jacksonville. Um, I don't do journalism, but I do this. I do hockey podcasts, which may or may not be evident. So, TCJ, what are we talking about today? Well, today we are talking about pretty much the only news, hockey news that we seem to have in August, and that is uh, RFA deals and contracts and stuff. Yep. Uh, so the season has been a little odd in that uh, there are a lot of, uh, well, first of all, there are a lot of big names in restricted free agency this year. And uh, as such, there are a lot of unsigned restricted free agents this year. Yep. Yes, so I have a list of about 17 notable unsigned restricted free agents. And this far into the summer, that's pretty unheard of. Would you agree? Yeah, and and part of it is that it's, um, you know, right in line with the 2015 draft, which produced just a ridiculous amount Mm -hmm. of talent into the league. Um, So that's part of it. Um, And just uh, you know, the salary cap increases over time and there are just there are just a lot of factors going on into why there are a lot of guys still on sign mm-hmm. yeah so my so my personal theory is the reason we're not seeing have you heard anything recently because i have heard like nothing on these guys the entire summer so yeah i mean i've heard a few things obviously you've heard a lot about um mitch marner Mitch Marner, um, yeah. I've seen everything from three years to six years, seven years. Um, but nothing that you know, can be really verified, I don't think. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like there have been some – I can't remember who I can exactly reference on this, but uh, the rumor is that um, I think right now both sides are looking at a bridge deal because um, I think – uh, like Marner's camp has kind of realized that if he has a shorter deal, it gets him to UFA. Um, he can then make another big payday as opposed to just making like 
nine and a half or 10 million over the eight years that Toronto could pay him. So we'll talk, I shouldn't have gone so in depth into that this early because we'll talk specific free agents here in a little bit, but I want to get your take on, give me, give me one, your biggest reason. I know there are a bunch of reasons, but give me your biggest reason that we haven't seen any of these guys signed yet. Uh, I'll go with, I mean, we talked about it, Mitch Marner. I think Mitch Marner is the biggest reason why we haven't seen any movement. Uh, it's kind of a waiting game of, well, Mitch Marner is going to set the market and the rest of the market is waiting on Mitch Marner to set the market. Um, and because Mitch Marner isn't signed and he hasn't thus set the market, um, I think guys like Braden Point, Miko Rantanen, uh, they're really waiting on that Marner deal to kind of, um, you know, then move from there. Like, you don't, if you're, if you're Miko Ranson, you don't want to sign for, I don't know, like eight million or eight and a half. And then Marner gets like 10 and a half. Um, so but I think can, that's part of it. Can I understand if you're like Braden Point or someone like that, who's waiting on Mitch Marner to sign, but does he really set the market for, like, say, Andrew Maggiapane in Calgary? No, but, um, I mean, really, we're not focusing on the Andrew Maggiapanes of the world. Um, I am. I think he's a good player. I think he's a notable RFA that should be signed. Okay. You can. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll let you have that opinion. Okay. Does he set the bar for Provorov? Probably not. See, this is what I'm saying, right? What about, like, Zach Wierenski? Uh, Yeah, I mean, well, Profrov and, and Wierenski are going to be another package deal. I yeah, can't I imagine think, one is going to go for much more than the other. Those two are pretty much in their own little staring contest to see who blinks first because they were drafted so close together and they're going to be compared to each other for the rest of their careers. Um. So I guess maybe a better example might be Charlie McAvoy. Is Charlie McAvoy really waiting on uh, Mitch Marner to get ten million or eleven million a year, or whatever? I mean, first off, Marner gets eleven million. That's just a giant overpay I, by the Leafs. But anyway, um, I don't know what he's gonna get. I know I it's mean, probably an overpay. I can't say that McAvoy is waiting on Marner, but you, you know, even though they don't play the same position, they're still kind of held in the same regard as highly prized young players. Uh, and they play in the same division. Um, so you got to keep that in mind as well. Okay. Okay. And I think, what, what, sorry, what is your biggest reason why uh, we have such a holdup? So I think this set the market thing is a, big problem um i do have my own personal theory that after july every canadian just goes to the cabin that their uncle owns or something out in the middle of nowhere and just goes on an extended vacation there or something um like every canadian has a cabin and they just they don't do anything for the month of august um so i think if you didn't get a deal done in july yeah, we'll just wait on it. I don't know how many front offices are exactly functioning right now, but um, on a more serious note, I think what you have is 
teams saying, well, I think you have players saying, well, I'm kind of like this player and he got eight mil a year or whatever. And teams are saying, well, we can't give you that because our captain our probably our best player is only getting seven million a year or something like that. Like, You're like right. Pro yeah. Prokhorov can ask for Rowenski money, but the team can go ahead and say, well, but you're not like – or TK probably is probably a better comparable because he's a forward. TK can ask for more money that's comparable to what his value is on the market, but teams aren't – the Flyers aren't going to say, well, we're not going to give you more than like Jake Voracek is getting. Or I don't even know who a good comparable would be. I should know this. But you know what I'm saying? Like the Lightning aren't going to say, well, we can't give you more than – to Braden Point, they're not going to say, well, we're, we can't give you – well, they are going to say, we can't give you more than – we give Stamkos, right? How much is he making? Uh, I would have to look. I don't. I don't know that level of contracts off the top of my head here. But keep going. Uh, I'll. I'll let you know. Oh, I'm, I was looking it up. That was probably the know. end of my point there. I've. I made a few <laughs> examples. Um, but you, you get what I'm half, saying. By the way. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Do you think Braden Point's asking for like that amount or like nine or something? Uh. But you have to keep in mind, though, it's it's not just the amount of money. It's also, like, the percentage of the cap uh, when you sign the deal. So just because uh, Brain Point signs for, like, let's say it is Stamkos money, that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that um, the Lightning value Brain Point at, as much as uh, Steven Stamkos. <laughs> So, uh, according to Cat Friendly, um, Stamkos's deal when signed—granted, it was when he was a UFA, not an RFA—was mm-hmm. uh, 11.64 percent of uh, the cap ceiling, or the cap hit percentage was 11.64 percent of the cap ceiling. Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean? That's a lot of numbers that I'm not sure I understand. Uh, I mean, I think that's just basically. You know that that was eleven point six four percent of the Lightning's cap when he signed it. Uh, that's I'm probably just simplifying it a little further, but uh, that's essentially what I believe it means. So again, so I think that's really what these teams are looking at now. It's not just straight up how much. It's okay, what percentage of the cap? Mm-hmm. So where was I going with this? Oh, so that's the kind of the other side of this is a lot of times these RFAs, I mean, free agents in general now, I think, are asking a lot for what they compared to what they used to ask for, for their value. Um, And they want these big contracts, right? Is that something you would agree with? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, Braden Point looks at Kevin Hayes's what, $7 million a year now uh, with yeah. the Flyers? And I'm sure he's like, yeah. okay, well, I'm, de- I'm definitely worth more than I'm, that. Yeah, he's worth more than Kevin Hayes. He can get probably $8 mil, I would say. Uh, I don't know. I, I, was at, at, I was looking at Evolving Wild's uh, projected cap hits um, for salary projections, contract projections. There's the words I'm looking for. Um, and they had him at – Eight years for in a little about eight point one million a year. So, 
I, I would be I wouldn't be surprised because maybe a little over that. I'm sure that the state tax, you know, situation mm-hmm. in the state of Florida probably helps him a little bit there. Probably a little bit. Um, is that is that really why Bob wanted to come to Florida was for the state income tax? I mean, I'm sure it helps. I'm not sure. I don't know if the effects. Neither of us are tax experts. I don't know no. if um, if the effect of the state of Florida not having any state income tax um, really has as much of an effect as people make it out to be. Because I, I don't, I don't know con, I don't know tax details on NHL contracts in the slightest. So don't take my word for it. But um, you know, but at the end of the day, it's another reason why you can sign somewhere. You know, nobody complains about. Well, I guess people, I guess smaller teams do complain about this. But um, like you could say the same thing about Artemi Panarin signing in New York. He signed in New York because he wanted to play in New York. You Which know, I still sure. think is dumb. Because the Rangers aren't – well, they shouldn't be good. But because players decide they want to play in Manhattan, the Rangers can be at least somewhat competitive this year, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, summer – If you summer want to go win a cup – What? I said summer calling them winners of the offseason, so. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. I This is not a discussion I want to get into. Um so we're we're gonna stick to RFAs because we want to make this a short right. episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, the the problem that I'm seeing with this is that it's harder and harder for teams to sort of hold on to their talent that they've cultivated, and playoff windows are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And I think part of that it digs into this RFA standoff here. Well, yeah, there's certainly a lot more pressure now to win when your guys are in rookie deals um unless you're edmonton apparently um and you just totally ignore three years of Connor mcdavid on like seven hundred fifty thousand a year or whatever the elcs are now um but yeah there's, there's certainly a lot of pressure to win before um everyone needs to get paid and uh it's just you know now guys are guys don't want to wait until they're 26, 27, 28 right. to finally get their payday. You know, if you're 23, Which I think it's fair. If, if you're 23 or whatever, I mean, you're in the best shape of your life and you want to get paid for it. You know, what if something happens when you're 25, 26 and your production slips and you don't get the payday you want, you know? Um, like you know, Simmons. Uh, unless you're Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc, apparently. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> That, that Kevin LeBanc, I, I do want to transition here that there are three, I think, big deal restricted free agents that have already signed. Um, mm-hmm. And those were Timo Meyer, Kevin LeBanc, and Sebastian Ajo. Um, yeah. And both of those, both of the Sharks deals being Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc, my biases aside, um, I think both of those deals are just absolute steals for uh, Doug Wilson and, and the San Jose Sharks. Timo Meyer signed. Timo signed. Yeah, sorry. Timo Meyer signed for four years and six, six million a year. Ooh, and that's Kevin, good, Kevin, right? Kevin LeBanc signed a legendary one-year, one million-dollar deal. <laughs> um, I so. I know 
I personally really like Timo Meyer. I'm not a Sharks fan, but I personally really like Timo Meyer as a hockey player. I think he's going to be great there in San Jose. And I think six mil, would I go up to seven on him? Maybe. But I, six, I, I think, is a good deal for the Sharks. For four yeah. years, I think that deal is only going to age well. The interesting thing on that is that um, the the last year it expires when he's still he'll still be in RFA at the end of the at the end of his last season on that deal. But I believe just because the language of the contract or whatever, like the qualifying offer for him mm-hmm. would be like ten million dollars. So that's an interesting situation uh, in four years. But um, yeah, those those two deals, especially the Kevin LeBanc one, which I'm still trying to wrap my mind around. Uh, those are just phenomenal deals for San Jose. So do you think getting their RFAs done early helped the Sharks? Yeah. I mean, take a look at a team like Winnipeg right now. Uh, I'd have to go back and count. But I, if to me, it's always felt like the entire summer that half of their team has been on RFA. Yeah. Um, well, they lost so, a bunch of guys to unrestricted free agency this year, right? I, I don't I remember don't know about exactly, bunch, but, but they lost um, some, some – well, they lost Kevin Hayes, who was really a trade deadline acquisition, right? Um, yeah. Who else did they lose? I'm drawing a blank. But I, I remember thinking – They had to trade away Jacob Truba too. Yeah. I remember thinking they're not they're not going to be replacing these guys. Um, so you know, if you wanted to – Say when everyone's finally back from vacation. Let's say let's say around Labor Day. Um, okay. And you want to start making moves before training camp opens. Uh, it's a little harder to do that when your salary cap situation still isn't completely mm-hmm. settled. And you know a team like San Jose, who uh, as good as their defense is, uh, with the departure of Joe Pavelski, they, they desperately need another top six forward. You know if. Doug Wilson wanted to, um, you know, talk to like New York about bringing in Chris Kreider. Um, aside from figuring out what they're going to pay Joe Thornton this year, uh, the Sharks pretty much know what their cap situation is. Yeah. Uh, so, is this? Do you think this is a problem for the NH that the NHL has with RFA's? Is this something that we need to address somehow? I think it's going to be, I think it's kind of like the problem in the MLB, except it's not as complicated. Um, Cause I feel like in the MLB, there are like 3000 loopholes you can do to get another year of control for yeah. a guy. Uh, I feel like as much as both sides have stressed that they want like labor peace or something, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, under the next CBA, the players try to negotiate getting into unrestricted free agency a couple years earlier. Um, but other than that, I'm not really sure what else the NHL can really do uh, about this problem. Uh, it, it'll be I, – I can't imagine – the only one on here I can really see getting into, like holding out through training camp and into the regular season like William Elander did uh, is Mitch Barner. Uh, Mitch Barner, yeah. I, I just I just have a hard time seeing it with everybody else. Okay. Um, let's get into some more – we can use that to transition into um, some specifics. Talk to me about Mitch Marner. Like what? 
what is, what is this Sportsnet? Where we're we just gonna talk about Mitch Marner for thirty minutes? I mean, no, not for thirty minutes. We he's we okay. We don't have to talk about Mitch Marner. <laughs> no, what we can't. I just. What is Patrick Liney gonna get? Like, wh- when can we expect anything? Because that's another guy that I don't think well, I've heard anything. That was the interesting of. one, though, is that um, apparently they're not even close. They're not even close. That, that's what is what the I worst like. case scenario here? I don't know. I don't really understand how RFA's work. What is the worst case scenario for Winnipeg if they don't reach an agreement with Patrick Liney? I mean, the worst thing is that Patrick Liney just holds out for a year. They don't have him for an entire year. That's that's the worst case scenario, and then maybe they'd be forced to trade him, someone that could sign him. I don't know if they'd be forced. To, I I don't know the. Well, not forced. I, I, I think, but if I they're not getting would, anything, if they're not getting anything out of them, it would only make sense to. Uh yeah, yeah. I I just remember seeing like a couple of weeks ago, like there was a. There was just something that came out that said that they weren't even close. Um, so, and Patrick Lyon is just a tricky player because his entire value is pretty much within his shot. When he's mm-hmm. scoring, he's one of the top young players in the league. When he's in a cold spell, he's just not a very good player. Uh, his like possession numbers aren't great. Um, you know, his impacts on shots for and shots against, and the quality of both of those aren't necessarily great either. Um, pretty much his entire value is is his shot. Fortunately for him, it's obviously a really good shot. It's his, yeah. That's, that, that is where his value lies. And also fortunately for him, uh, goal scoring is pretty much uh, one of the easiest ways to get paid a lot of money. So um, so I'm sorry if this turns into me asking you questions and you explaining things, but this is not a strength of mine, RFAs, in evaluating them. Um so the, the Jets have 17 million in projected cap space. How how did they balance that out between Line A and Connor? So I was looking through Evolving Wild's contract projections, and they had uh, they had Kyle Connor at, at uh, six by six point. We'll go six point eight two, um, and Line A at seven years and just over seven million so i mean if we went by those numbers they can fit them in yeah Um, i don't know if i want to give those guys that kind of money because like you said line is mostly his value is mostly in his shot but he's a great player so i still want to pay him but i don't know if seven million might be a bit much kyle connor i don't know i know he doesn't stack that well on um metrics from what i've seen maybe you maybe i'm wrong about that uh, but I, I see him more of a power play specialist kind of guy. I, I think I you're. Know. I think you're wrong. I'm not a Kyle Connor expert either, but I'm pretty sure you're wrong on the on the Kyle Connor metrics. Okay, uh, maybe I am wrong. I still. Don't, I don't know if I give him. I mean, six, six and change, give some Mark Shifley and Nikolai Ellers money. Which I guess isn't bad. And again, I feel like you uh, you have to. I think you also need to look at when those contracts are signed, and thus the, the well, yeah. The I obviously uh, you need to. I mean, because the market is going to change from year to year, but these are arguments that are are going to come up in contract negotiations. I would I would I would assume. 
teams right. can't be like, well, we can't give you the same amount of uh, cap space that we give this other guy. Although I would say maybe, maybe the Ellers isn't. Um, but then again, I if I were the agent, I would I would then say, but yes, but you paid this guy X percentage of the cap, and my client deserves at least that. This is true. So. And then that's where you reach the impasse. All right. I feel like we're spending way too much time on Winnipeg. Um, Braden Point, I think, is an interesting one. We already kind of talked about him. Yeah, I, I think I had read that he was trying to get to the team for training camp. Uh, I don't think there's anything that they've said that mm-hmm. says that he wants to you know, hold out through whenever he gets his money, you know? Right. And the Lightning but, have but, just over nine million in cap space. So yeah, it looks like they've got. Yeah, they, it looks like they've got just over what they need, I would think. And that's with them carrying nine defensemen right now. <laughs> so. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, sure yeah. there will be some movement on that front. Well, you never after training camp, you never know. But I mean, do they really need Jan Ruta? I mean, I don't know. I played pot and pairing for them last year, so I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if that's necessary. Oh, they've also got Luke Shen on a, a $700,000 contract. Yeah, like those are, you know, I'm sure those are guys that, um, you know, you either, well, you either make the team or you get put on waivers, so. Okay, but, like, why – he was when did – where did they pick him up, Luke Shen? Because they definitely – if you're – they have nine defensemen already, or right now – they would have had eight before they got him. Why even give him a contract? What's the point? I, don't know. The... I, I can't tell you. I'm not. I'm not an expert in that area. Uh, Charlie McAvoy. I was gonna say the player I really want to talk about is uh, Brock Besser because I kind of Brock wanna... Besser. All right, let's do Brock I mean, Besser. Like... Talking about the Vancouver Canucks and their asset management is oh, basically boy. just like lobbing a softball into the strike zone. Um, <laughs> I, hear, I mean, I see you're very passionate about this. So I'll just let you go on this one. It's not, I'm not, it's not necessarily that I'm passionate about. It. It's just fun to make fun of Jim Benny and the Canucks. Cause they think that they're trying to, that they're actually doing something and they're not. Um, so I, I, according to evolving wilds projections, he's projected to paid, get paid, um, just, just a, we'll go with six point nine million. Nice, by the way. Um, yes. And the, the rumor that I saw said that he's looking for four by seven. Uh, and currently, the Canucks don't have okay. room for that. Oh, they don't. They don't have room for it. The, how? Okay. If you're, if you're the Canucks and you're going into this offseason, your your main goal should be make sure we have room to sign um, Brock Besser, right? That yeah, seems I mean, pretty. Standard. According to uh, cap friendly, they have just over five million in cap space. I don't know what they're gonna do. What is that ten point two C that they've got next to Brock Besser there on cap friendly? That's just um, it's an RFA thing. Apparently, oh, okay. he's uh, not eligible for an offer sheet. Oh, okay. oh, I I think I read the same thing about Charlie McAvoy that he's not a. But um, he's not. Yeah, no. Instead, they've decided to pay Tyler Myers and Alex Edler six million a piece, 
and you know Louis Erickson, another six. Uh, <laughs> Brandon Sutter, you know, just under four and a half. There are a bunch of really bad contracts on there that if you look at it, it's like they're signing like seven guys that are going to be worth like maybe just over replacement. And it's like a good portion of their uh, cap space. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very easy to dunk on the Vancouver Canucks right now. Uh, while we're here, do you want to talk about um... – uh, Bill Guerin. Yeah, well, yeah, that was that was the original thing that we were. Uh, you wanted to talk talking, about. That was one, I mean, that because that was the big thing. Um, that was and, the big news. Yeah, I mean, that was I still the think this is more important to talk about, but yeah, that was the big news. Uh, I don't know much about the situation. I don't know much about Bill Guerin, what he's going to offer as a GM. This is the me not knowing things podcast. Well. <laughs> um, the, one of the funny things I saw was that uh, Bill Guerin, um, I don't know if we said this already, but coming over from the Penguins as an assistant general manager, a couple of funny things. One, um, I saw a tweet that said that uh, Doug Wilson has been GM for so long that um, his old deadline acquisitions are now becoming general managers. Yeah, I saw that. Probably yeah. because you retweeted it or something. I think I liked Went it. to me or something. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, something like that. Um and the other one is that uh, in his introductory press conference, someone asked him about analytics or whatever, and he said, yeah, it's a thing that I that we would look at in Pittsburgh and contrasted that with um, like someone else found the uh, what Ray Felton, whatever his name is, uh, when he said in his introductory one, he was like, yeah, I don't care about that stuff. I don't look at it. I don't believe in it. So that's a fun little compare and contrast between the two general managers. Hmm. And I feel like regardless of whether you are a believer in analytics or not, you at least I'm need to a be believer. able to you at least need to be able to be open to that. You need to be able to be open to as much information as possible when you're making decisions. Um, and that kind of arrogance is what I feel like to find uh, Raymond Felton's very short stint as general manager. Okay. So overall, you think this is a positive? I think I'm, I'm still a little iffy on it because um, even though he, he brought up the whole analytics thing, uh, there were obviously some very uh, – well, there, were, there were some moves in Pittsburgh over the last, I don't know, like two years uh, that have been very much against the grain of analytics. Uh, like – Trading Ryan Reeves or trading for Ryan Reeves uh, for yeah. a first round pick or yeah. uh, a signing Jack Johnson for like five years. <laughs> well, you don't even need analytics to tell you don't sign Jack Johnson. Oh, I could have okay, told right, you right. that. Right. But I mean, still, like stuff like that or trading for Eric Goodbranson for some reason, um, even though he did pretty well in a pretty sheltered role last year. Um, you know, it's just stuff like that or signing Brandon Tana for five years for or what is it, five, six years for some reason. Yeah, um, that's not great. You know, it's not ideal. If, obviously, though, I'm not the one behind the scenes in Pittsburgh. If that was right. just Jim Rutherford going off on his own and ignoring everybody else, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. And, the Paul Fenton um, situation. Yeah. Um, is, this, is it Paul Fenton? I've been calling him Raymond Felton the entire time. Paul Fenton was the um, 
Minnesota Wild. I, I I'm just being a big big idiot tonight. It's it's nine twenty. It's late. It's fine. <laughs> it's been a long it's week. It's fine. Oh, Raymond Felton is uh, a basketball player. I'm, I'm, just, I'm all over the place. I'm all over the place tonight. It sounded like a hockey name. I'll give said, you that. It sounded like a hockey name. As soon as I said Raymond Felton the first time, I'm like, this is not the right name. <laughs> um, so, but hey, it's okay. Uh, last episode, you were calling uh, Austin Matthews Mitch Marner. So, yeah, but at least they played the same sport and <laughs> on the same team. Hey, these have similar. They have so, similar names. Felton, Anton, same thing. I've heard it both ways. Um, well, yeah, now you have heard it both ways. So, real quick, where are we on Miko Rantanen? What's the update on him? Uh, nothing. Maybe nothing. we need to get our we need to get our uh, Finnish connection to answer qu- questions about Miko Rantanen. I'm assuming he's Finnish. Rantanen sounds Finnish, right? Yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's Finnish. Finnish. Uh, what about Zach? Oh, that's right. Zach Rowensky and Ivan Provorov in a staring contest. Do we, do we know anything? I don't, I haven't heard anything about Provorov. It sounds like he's asking for a lot. Uh, but beyond that, I, I heard a rumor that he was, his camp was asking for 10 million, which he's not going to get. Uh, but I don't know how credible that is. Yeah, so uh, Brian Hedger over at I think it's the Columbus Dispatch. Uh, he was, he, I think he was the one who said the Provorov ten million thing. There's no way. Um, yeah, there's there's no way. And then he came out and said uh, the Flyers did not. He said I've been told uh, Ivan Provorov's camp did not ask for ten million dollars. Yeah, you jack wagon. Um, so, but I think he he also reported that uh, Wierenski is looking for a three-year deal, like five million plus. So and that, that would That's be pretty pretty good. Pretty reasonable. That'd be good uh, for the Flyers if Wierenski gets that. Yeah, yeah, especially since I think I mean that's, is probably a little better than Provorov. Is, is that a little bit of a, an elongated bridge deal? Because usually when I think bridge, I think two years. So three by five. Three, three by five, two, three is usually what is considered a bridge deal. So would you call that, you call that a bridge deal? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is what I've heard. I think they were, I don't, can't remember if they were thinking, there was a rumor, I can't remember who they, who, if they said TK or Provi was getting a bridge deal potentially. I don't know. Well, here's the other thing. We're, we're kind of running a little long here. So a I'll little bit. Brief. Let, let me just bring up a massive point 35 minutes into this. Um, but the other reason why you might see more bridge deals is that uh, the U.S. broadcast rights are are expiring right. in a few years. And the so, CBA. Um, right, but with the uh, with the con with the TV deal running out, uh, and as we saw in the NBA, when you negotiate a new one, because that's a that's a pretty much one of the biggest sources of revenue for these sports teams and leagues. Once you negotiate that new TV contract, the salary cap goes up by a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's what a lot of agents and players are quite literally banking on. Um, uh, uh. Sorry, <laughs> uh, I, I thought of that one on the spot, but I wasn't. I wasn't playing that one out. But no, I think that's what a lot of uh, players and agents are are banking on here is that. Uh, 
know, and that, that's one of the reasons why Mitch Marner wants once 10 years or once uh, like three years, but a lot of money is that, you know, three years, uh, the new TV deal kicks mm-hmm. in and they can uh, get more for him. Yeah. And, you, and he can, he can cash in twice. Uh, and that's why you have someone in Toronto saying maybe they should trade him or maybe they shouldn't do three years because in three years you have to do this whole thing all over again. Yeah. So, um, so before we go, yes. how far out of training camp are we? Uh, <laughs> let's see, September, so probably like, what, uh, three weeks? Three weeks? I want to say three, four weeks. They gotta get this. They gotta get it going. They gotta get these deals done. Someone's gotta blink. I, I think it's gonna be. I think after Labor Day is when you're gonna see things kick in. The earliest date I'm seeing for training camp is September 12th. I'm waiting for Mitch Marner to sign, and then just everybody dominoes. Just everybody gets done in like three hours after. Uh, after Mitch Marner signs, just. Done, 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 you know? Right. Yeah. Sorry. Correction. It uh, looks like, according to this uh, NHL press release, it looks like they'll be in for physicals on September 11th, and then they'll be on the ice on September 12th. Okay. So, Close enough. Just, so, yeah, um, good enough. I, oh, how, by the way, how good does the uh, – or how, how much has um, – Montreal helped Carolina by offer sheeting Sebastian Ajo and avoiding oh. this entire thing. Oh, a lot. Like, I mean, like we knew it was big when it happened, but now that nobody else has signed their RFAs, it just feels so much bigger to me that they were just like, oh, yeah, we'll just match this. We were going to probably offer him more. Yeah, I mean, they have their entire team settled now. Um, and Sebastian Otto, I mean, it's still a pretty, it's a pretty good deal for him. I mean, he's what getting like twenty million in the first calendar year of it, something like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I still think that the Canadians should have gone for another level if they really wanted Sebastian Otto. Um, yeah, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on this list if they didn't offer shoot him. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure that uh, you know. Dundon and uh, their GM Waddle would have tried to nickel and dime him as much as possible because that's yeah. you know you know they try, they try to keep I mean, costs low in in Carolina. They, you you got it when you're a team like Carolina, you got to make sure you're being as efficient as possible, cost effective I should say. Well, hey, I'm sure this year season ticket sales are through the roof though. Anything else? Uh, no, get I think, your business I, I think done early. <laughs> get your get your business done in June, which the Flyers did for the most part, and then didn't follow through on the RFA part. So yeah, that's all I got. Or, um, you know, hope cross your fingers and hope that your uh, GM is named Doug Wilson. Yeah. Oh shit, it's Doug. <laughs> yeah, oh shit, it's Doug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's one of my favorite NHL GM quotes of all time. <laughs> Uh, any other comments? Are you mm, good? I'm good. All right. Uh, so feel free to follow us on Facebook. Uh, it's the Grit Slash 60 podcast. We're, I mean, we call ourselves Grit for 60. Uh, that's just how it's stylized on Facebook. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter 
at, uh, I believe it's grit per 60 pod. Uh, and I believe it's also that for Instagram, correct? Yeah, it's grit per 60 pod written out on Instagram. Cool. Uh, and here on Get Vocal. Uh, get Vocal. Um, and coming soon to all of your podcast networks. We're working on it. Working on it. It is a work in Getting progress. Getting it going. I say. Hopefully we can so, get this one on our podcast networks, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. We shall oh. see what the day brings. All right. I mean, this is a, this has been a 40-minute pod. This is probably more than, yeah. uh, more than well, we were aiming for. We but, always uh, been late, Brendan. What are you talking well, about? Yeah, but, you know. Um, I, I do like to talk a lot. You just ask me questions and I just talk. Oh, I, so, which is good. That's a good dynamic because you know, you're the journalist. I, yeah. but anyway, yeah, I am um, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, have a, have a good one and uh, continue to watch our stuff. We appreciate it. Thanks everyone.